Greetings and salutations, everybody. It is your slightly annoying host, Stephen Julian. Welcome to the pilot episode of What's the Good Word? Sitting beside me is my second host. He's also my son. Welcome, Joshua Julian. It's great to be here. Um, I've been wanting to do something like this for a while. I'm glad that we've finally been able to get it off the ground. Yeah, so let me explain to everybody, since it's the pilot episode, what you've walked into the middle of. I am Stephen Julian. This is my son, Joshua. Uh, This is What's the Good Word? It is a Georgia Tech athletic podcast by Georgia Tech alumni and fans for Georgia Tech alumni and fans. What that means, I'm the Georgia Tech alumni. Joshua is the Georgia Tech fan. So real quick, uh, I am a graduate. I got out of Georgia Tech in 1994, uh, and uh, escaped with your life. uh, Well, just barely. I escaped with my degree. That's and as all (laughs) alumni know, we don't graduate from Georgia Tech. We got out of Georgia Tech. Uh, Joshua, you are a fan. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, as you mentioned uh, about 50 seconds ago, I am your son. So I was indoctrinated from a young age into the um, annals of Georgia Tech history. I got to learn all about uh, who was Joe Hamilton. Yes. uh, The great 90s teams. New analyst for Georgia Tech football games. Great move there. I love that. Similar to when they do with Brian Oliver on the uh, basketball stuff. Absolutely. On the ballet. Because you got to bring in Georgia Tech people to be able to talk about it, which is what we're doing here. So anyway, I I got to hear about the great years of uh, 2000 or 1990. I was born in 2000. Uh, Really started paying attention to sports around 2010. And that was luckily for me right when Paul Johnson was at the peak of his tenure. And so I I was brought up on the triple option offense. I was brought up on the dark days of Brian Gregory as the head coach of basketball. Um, and as almost everybody that's been born in the last 25 years, I was also brought up on Danny Hall as the baseball coach. So I've been able to experience it, not from going to tech, but from watching it from an outside perspective. Uh, but because my father went there, that's what was on. And I've grown to love it in its own way. I get I have to defend it to almost everybody I meet because everybody I meet watches SEC football and I have to watch ACC football. So one of the assumptions that we're going to make on this show is that you're listening to this because you're either a Georgia Tech alum or you're a Georgia Tech fan. And that is a very unique position to be in. Mm -hmm. If you live in the state of Georgia and you go to Target or Walmart or any fanatic store, you know that 90% uh, of the stuff they put up on the walls are for the rednecks and the idiots who are fans of the, you know, the university misspelling uh, (laughs) that will be left unnamed. But... As a Tech fan, uh, I like to say that many are called, few are chosen as an alumni. It is hard to be a fan at times, but it's also fantastic to be a fan. It's fantastic to be an alumni. It's something to be proud of. And uh, so what my son and I want to do is we are doing this podcast because, Joshua, why? I, you know, I know why I'm here because I'm an alumni, but you're more than just a fan. You are, uh, at, you are a newly professional sports yes. media person. Um, I'm attempting to get into the sports media world. Um, obviously not too many openings, so sometimes you got to make your own. And the biggest thing that I always had an issue with is you can go on any website like ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, and you will find plenty of stuff written about the SEC powerhouse. Houses, Tennessee, UGA, Alabama, Florida, anything like that. Very rarely can you find great sites or great writers and podcasters for the mid-tier, lower, not necessarily lower level, but because you know, they're still in the Power Five, but the schools that don't bring in all that money. So schools like you know Oklahoma State, schools like Georgia Tech, and I've had to subside on two to three blogs most of which are you know 500 words or less talking about the new freshman coming in or whatever. 
And um, it's just, it's not the same level of content that I see for all the other schools. So I figured, you know, I can either wait for somebody else to do it or we can do it ourselves. And that's what we've decided to do. So we're going to bring you the best possible knowledge that we can, we can bring you about Georgia Tech athletics because there is a deficiency in the market for that. So what we invite you to do is we're planning on this show being about 15 to 20 minutes long. The way we'll break it down usually is the news will be up front. We'll try to hit you with as many pieces of Georgia Tech athletic news as we can. Then the second part of the show will be a little bit more in-depth, uh, where we either go in in-depth into certain stories, or uh, if we can get somebody to talk to a little more in-depth, we'll certainly do that. Uh, the goal is uh, we do not want to waste too much of your time because if you're a tech alum or a tech fan, you got lots of other very important things to do in life. Sports is awesome and we enjoy it, but it ain't everything. That's another thing that sets us apart. So we'll let you get back to building the cities and creating what Georgia Tech alum and fans create in this world, which is more than sports. But we want to be your place to come and maybe get a little deeper than what you can catch otherwise, which is usually crumbs. Now, shout out to, uh, we will certainly reference good websites. There are some good ones. Ramblinrec.com. Thank you for the work you do. Uh, the Georgia Tech Athletic Department is fantastic. Thank you for the stuff you put out. We just want to supplement that and enhance that and be maybe a little bit entertaining, maybe a little bit silly, but a good source uh, of more information. So for lack of a better term, we are the intermediaries. We bring you the information that we find from all those other sources in a very digestible, as my, as he said, 15, 20, 25 minutes, depending on how much of a soapbox we end up getting on. All right. So for the, for the pilot episode, we want to introduce ourselves, tell you a little bit about the show. So we're five minutes in, let's go ahead and get to the news. Uh, we wanted to kind of focus on one major thing. Uh, we are recording this uh, right about the beginning of August, we are about 30-some-odd days away from uh, football season starting. We also are really at the tail end of basketball recruiting for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, we will certainly try and touch on as many sports as we can find information about, but to, we thought for the first show, since football season is just about to kick off, we would kind of uh, start with football season. Joshua, Last year uh, served as, unfortunately, the third year in a row of making it very tough to be a Georgia Tech football fan. The team had three wins, uh, the third straight year of three wins under Jeff Collins. Under his first year getting three wins actually showed he really had the team working and they were trying. Mm -hmm. Second year was growing pains, a little bit harder schedule, still got three wins. Last year was the year everybody thought we would take a step forward, maybe even get a few more wins. We only had three wins. We finished the year. I don't know how many straight losses it was, but from my vantage point as a fan and alum, it kind of seemed like he might've lost the locker room. That might be doubled down on considering all the people that left, of course, Jameer Gibbs and others uh, who left the program. So where do we stand right now? Let's talk about that. I've given all the bad news. I'll let you give the good news. Who's come in as terms of freshmen and transfers? So unfortunately, um, there were a lot of talented people that did leave the program. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was the first one. You said the fact that he went to Alabama shows he was very highly sought after. And the other one was Jared Ivey, who was an edge rusher, produced about six sacks last year. He went over to Ole Miss. And the other big ones, you know, you saw, I saw we saw a few people go to Oregon State, like um, 
So a few people go to Oregon State. Uh, Jordan Dominic ended up going to Arkansas. Michael Lockhart, West Virginia. Wesley Walker, Tennessee. So it's not like everybody was. It's not like they were leaving for Sam Houston State like Jordan Yates. They were going to Power Five schools where they were going to have opportunity to play on a higher level. So it's not like these guys couldn't play. We know these guys can play. They went other places there. The the big one is uh, Georgia Tech was also able to replace them with guys that they brought in. The biggest thing that Tech did this offseason that I personally like in the current transfer portal transfer portal era is they went to Power 5 schools that are towards the top of their profession, and they took highly regarded recruits who just haven't had a chance to break out. So they took a few guys from Notre Dame, a few guys from Auburn, um, a few guys from you know other other schools like that. So the big one uh, that we see is in the secondary. Uh, Notre Dame safety Kari Gee. He came over. Uh, Notre Dame cornerback KJ Wallace, who was a borderline top 150 recruit, he was able to come in. Uh, Eric Reed, cornerback out of Auburn, who I believe converted to safety, and then Amari Harvey, a fantastic athlete at safety from Auburn, who came over. So. Georgia Tech's rebuilt their secondary more or less because, unfortunately, they lost a lot of people. Um, but they've been able to use the transfer portal to great effect in that they've been able to bring people from group of five p- conferences that wanted to move up, like Zach Gibson at quarterback, or they were able to use it from Power 5 schools. The other big one, uh, Taysen Fomashan, I believe I'm saying his name right, came from Clemson. He was a top 100 recruit, but he hasn't had a chance to play because Trevor Lawrence, the DJ Ugalele, four-star versus five-star. So, so you brought up two quarterbacks that transferred in. So let's talk about quarterbacks. Yeah, that's gonna I'm be the not, big one. Yeah. So, who do you think right now is the best? Because you know we the tra- the the highly touted recruit hasn't paid out, hasn't panned yeah. out. In fact, took a huge step backwards mm-hmm. last year, in my opinion. It, it, how important is the quarterback to get it right this year? Well. And the because of the way that Georgia Tech currently plays football, the quarterback will always be the most important position on the field because Georgia Tech is trying to be more like everybody else. Now, when it was Paul Johnson, the quarterback was important because you needed him to be able to read, you know, his keys in the triple option. Now he and get it close to a receiver <laughs> when they were standing wide open with no one within twenty exactly. yards of them. But that's another. Story. So now, because they're playing a lot more of a pro style type right. thing, you have to have a quarterback that can deliver passes on time, read the rush, and get out of the pocket. We saw last season Jeff Sims is not exactly that guy. Now with the Chip Long offense, there's a chance that he becomes more of that guy because it involves him making quicker reads, so he's not going to have to necessarily deal with the pressure, hopefully, as much. But it depends on what you're looking for. Zach Gibson is going to be a little bit closer. Uh, He's more similar to Jordan Yates in that he's much more of a game manager. Um, He's really going to be focused on that accuracy. Uh, He completed almost 70% of his passes at Akron last year. Uh, He's not going to give you too many big plays. And Tyson Fomashan is relatively close to Jeff Sims in that they're both dual threat guys. We just haven't seen as much from Fomashan. So, at your opinion right now, before they really kick up fall practice or end of summer practice, who do you think has the inside track? Is it still Sims's job? It's got to be Jeff Sims because okay. Jeff Sims is still the most physically talented of all of them. And we've seen him show the flashes because that's the difference between him and Fomashan. Fomashan hasn't really shown the flashes because he's never gotten the opportunity. So as of now, you got to give it to Jeff Sims because Jeff Sims has had great games okay. in, S- in the ACC. Okay, so would you say that from the freshmen and transfers they brought in that this team on paper – 
is as good as supposedly last year's team? Have we taken a step forward? Have we have we salvaged all the losses of our top former recruits? I would say that we've salvaged at the minimum because while we lost a guy like Ivy and we haven't really replaced him with anybody on the edge and we've done the best we can to replace Jameer Gibbs and we've brought in people that I think are better than what we lost. So we lost four offensive linemen to uh, graduation and various other things, but we brought in two former five stars from Alabama and Clemson and Pierce quick and Paul Chow. They're going to start most definitely Pierce quick right now is probably going to start at left tackle. Well, what's funny about that is I think a lot of alum and fans who are listening to this, I know I'm one of them thought that our offensive line was one of the biggest problems last year. So Both I, cer- I certainly blame Sims for some things, but when he he's, when there's no blocking, it's similar to watching Matt Ryan when he has no time to read the field. Exactly. Hard for him to make any progress as a in his progression. You can have the greatest quarterback in the world if you don't give him any time. We saw that with Joe Burrow. Uh, so, yeah. so hopefully the offensive line does get fixed. Uh, Pierce Quick, Paul Chow, and also a few other guys came in. R.J. Adams out of Kentucky. He was a four-star recruit. He hasn't played a single snap, so he's a basically a moldable ball of clay and Corey Robinson came from Kansas. I know anytime you hear Kansas in football, you have to laugh, but um, Corey Robinson, it showed some flashes that he's a local kid. He's going to have a chance to come in and compete as a guard almost immediately. So they're the two deep, I think has gotten at least deeper. Uh, the jury is still out obviously on if they're actually going to be better, but there's at least more depth there. So there are some people uh, that might say that three years into Jeff Collins, no question the quality of the recruit is better. That's the However, hope. there's another side of that coin which says that the development of those players has been very lacking. Yes. You you would agree with that. Yeah. Jeff Sims hasn't changed a bit since he got exactly. Exactly. Nobody's really getting coached up. If we watch and well, okay. So yeah, that's that's the the thought and so it looks like, and obviously Collins is giving, has been given one more chance of clean house of all the assistants. Let's mm-hmm. blame them. It's not Jeff. It's all the assistants. So what, in your opinion, as a, as a fan, as someone who's also watching and paying attention to all the transfers and new people, what, what would be a successful season? And let's just put it in terms of wins. Is it four wins? Is it five wins? Would, should we be happy with that, which is an unfair question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I'll give my answer. Um, anything more than three would be obviously <laughs> an improvement. But I think for Jeff Collins, he's got to he's got to prove that he can put a halfway decent team. So four wins, five wins. I'd still say he's probably looking at the door. I think you've got to at least get to six here. Especially, do you think this team can do that this year? If every if things have to go right, there's right? a chance. You know, I like I said, the talent level in terms of recruiting stars, I think we're towards a better spot movement because there's a ton of four stars up and down the roster. The thing is, obviously, Collins didn't bring them all in as freshmen. That could also be a good thing because a lot of these guys, like I said, were around Power Five, specifically SEC schools. They've been able to see, you know, what top level recruits do they have a chance to you know emulate that when they get in so a guy like pierce quick oh he didn't play at alabama well he was playing behind evan neal you know he just got taken top 10 in the nfl draft he was playing behind guys that were ticketed to the nfl so 
he might not be a first round NFL tackle, but if you can produce a, you know, all ACC level offensive lineman, that's worlds better than what we've been getting for the last few years. And and the one thing I've thought about with Jeff Collins, that first of all, I, I've never met the guy. Seems mm-hmm. gr- seems like a great guy. Yeah. Seems, he's a fantastic recruiter. There's, I mean, we haven't seen recruiting like that since Chan probably. Um, and Chan didn't coach people up either, in my <laughs> opinion. That's, that's why we, I know we could count on going six and six. So my thing with, with Jeff is, and, and with the Collins regime so far, is I don't know what they need to do to win because I haven't seen them win enough. Yeah. With Paul, with CPJ, we knew we control the ball. We just keep them from scoring a couple times because we're always going to put up, you know, and unless our, our bad games were bad, but we could you could count on 20, 28 points, yeah. 35 points. We were always around there, so just stop them enough on defense. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what Jeff Collins takes to win. Is it a is it a high powered offense or is it a stingy defense? Because he hasn't had either in three years. Yeah. And lash and I think he was trying to recruit to have a much better offense. And and in the first and second year, I saw some improvement as the season went on. Last year, man, it just looked like they gave up. Yeah. And I and I, that might be too harsh a word. I apologize, but it just. Looked I mean, like- you get so I scored a hundred to nothing in your last two games. You can. There's only so much that a talent gap can you can use as an excuse. And touching a little bit on what you're saying, I think that the easiest route, this is my personal opinion, obviously, sure. is someone who's never coached at that level. But um, you've got to become, I think, a gra- it, go back to CPJ to an extent, ground and pound, right? I think they wanted to do that with Jameer. I think they were but trying. But even then, but, they but, almost I, limited his touches, which was weird. And that's why I think the offensive line really hurt them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you've got to put Sims in motion. You've got to, I mean, you've got to figure out how to get yards. That was, I'm sorry, but after a decade and so of CPJ, I, I know we're going to move the ball. Yeah. You know, we might, you know, you'd give stupid fumbles and all that, but I, but at least it was entertaining to watch us move the ball. Yeah. This has been painful. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing you touched on a little bit, Jeff Sims obviously is not the most cerebral of quarterbacks. And that sounds mean to say, but Jeff Sims is, he's got so much physical talent and you almost have to try to make the game easier for him. So instead of trying to do too much, just make it simple, roll them out and let him make a play. Well, I'm going to say it's, it's play to his strengths, which exactly. I think is, is get him in is, motion, get or, him in motion and, and quick reads. Yeah. Quick. He quick, definitely quick is cerebral enough to handle it, mm-hmm. but he's not, I, he's, he's not, he will not pick you apart from a pocket. Right. And he he's will not going to be four and five reads again. Cause I don't think the line can block that no. long. And that's the issue. And the, the other issue is, you know, if the running game's not working, the passing game won't work either because they know the pass is coming. So they can sell out for that. And also, again, the O-line didn't block anybody last year. So this year, I think it'll be interesting because, you know, we don't have Jameer Gibbs, but I think we have more talent at running back overall because we were able to bring in Dylan McDuffie from Buffalo. We were able to bring in Hassan Hall from Louisville. Um, We still have uh, Dante Smith, who showed a lot down the stretch last year. Um, you still uh, you graduated Jordan Mason, but the top-ranked recruit as a freshman coming in is Antonio Martin, who is also a running back. So um, it's I think they want to be ground and pound control the ball. I, I think they want to shorten the game. So that's interesting because they also have a ton of talent at wide receiver, raw talent at wide receiver, but they've got talent. Malachi Carter's back for another yep. year, although he hasn't shown a lot. But you've got a lot of freshmen last year who are going to, be coming into their own. They've got a full season in the system. 
Um, the, that was the big strength of the 2021 class. They were able to bring in James Blackstrain, who is a 6'2 guy out of Florida. He didn't really get to play. Uh, there's a guy I believe they brought in as a uh, transfer who was 6'5", and he's been working as a wide receiver. Um, I believe, crap, I wish I had his name right in front of me. I've got all the recruiting pages up, but they don't have him listed right off the bat. But um, either way, he's he's apparently been turning eyes at camp from what I've seen. So okay. they've got talent receiver, and they brought in a few tight ends, but you've got to be able to establish the run. It's cliche, but it's because it's worked you know, since the 60s when they first started in the NFL. And it's the one thing we haven't done under college. Exactly. Not even close. It's been horrible. Yes. So. All right, so let's uh, let's quickly uh, touch on, or should we stop right here? Let's keep going. This. Let's okay. keep going. So let's quickly shift from football to basketball. Folks, this first episode is probably going to be a little longer than normal because we did our introductions. So give us a couple more minutes because uh, the, the Georgia Tech basketball team uh, last year struggled, yeah. uh, uh, and it was Passner's fifth year uh, or fourth year. Well, I can't remember now all of a sudden. Um, but, uh, they, they kind of took a step back obviously from the ACC tournament win. Uh, but, and a lot of people said, oh, they had no recruits, but here in the last couple weeks, we've had a, we've had a couple of brand new freshmen all of a sudden make late commits. I think Mm -hmm. this is kind of late in the season and they've got two transfers coming in. So talk a little bit about the basketball team, uh, and, and what they've accomplished here just very recently. Well, unfortunately, you know, last season losing arguably the two people that are most were most important to your identity was always going to be a struggle because Jose Alvarado guaranteed you you were going to compete every night. And Moses Wright, you know, definitely kind of buttressed that because there's no quit in either of their bodies. And I'm not saying there was quit in anybody last year, but Michael DeVoe, unfortunately, his temperament isn't exactly... He, he tended to kind of get down on himself a little bit, and that affected the rest of his play, and I think that affected the rest of the team. So losing him and Usher obviously is going to hurt from a talent perspective. But the guys coming in, Javon Franklin's been around a little bit. He went to Auburn, then ended up at South Alabama because he didn't play a lot at Auburn. He played really well at South Alabama, and he, he's go- probably going to be our Khalid Moore replacement, which very necessary considering um, everything that Khalid gave to the team. Uh, Lance Terry... A little redundant because he's another undersized point guard who scores and doesn't really do too much on defense. But at the same time, he had some great moments uh, last season uh, at Fresno State, I believe, was where he played. Gardner-Webb. There you go. You you scooped me on that one. Good job. Um, But he had some good moments. He's a fantastic scorer, great shooter, uh, probably going to be the best thing we can do to replace DeVoe in terms of skill set. The interesting one is going to be the freshmen. Will they play this year? I am very confident in saying probably not. I think one of them will, but get your... So, Fred's Paul Bogotskis. Yeah. Yes. Latvian. A uh, very interesting name, but he's been playing EuroLeague for about three, four years. Um, he's still 18, so the fact that he's been playing at you know the professional level, he's definitely seen you know a higher level of talent. He's six eight, six nine, skinny as a rail, and can shoot the lights out of the ball. Apparently, we had we had a guy like that who ended up transferring because he never added weight. If he can add right. weight, currently he's play defense to save his life. <laughs> he's six nine, one eighty. He's gonna have to add yes. 15 pounds. Now put him in a you know ACC strength and conditioning program. He's not the one I think is going to play freshman year so the one that might play is the guy that just recruited or just committed about two days ago Cyril Martinov Cyril Martinov Cyril out of the Lawrenceville school in Lawrenceville New Jersey so he's also by way of Canada 
Okay. By way of Canada, we got a Canadian on the team. We're, we're an international hodgepodge. Um, but he's 6'11, 230. Um, you read his scouting report, it basically just looks like he's dabbled in everything. Uh, he's got some post moves. He's got a little bit of a jump shot. He's even handled in transition. So don't, don't call him Chet Holmgren, but he's definitely trying to be. And not only that, his case is very interesting because he was supposed to be part of class of 2023. He just reclassified reclassified in order to get into college. And he had it down to four teams, Georgia Tech, uh, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and someone else, I can't remember who, and came to visit and chose us. You know, I have said, you heard me say this multiple times, you know, if you've watched Passner coach and you've watched Passner teams, and I have, I've watched almost every game he's coached, his teams are built on defense. Mm -hmm. And his first three or four years, his whole system was run the clock down to 10 seconds, get whatever shot we can, let's hopefully get to 50 or 60, and, and we had to hold our team, the other team down. Last year was actually arguably the best offensive team they had because they were running, Because and I still say to this day, if Bubba had played all year, I really would have liked to watch that team. They were so, They were so much more aggressive on offense. The problem was, and Jose and Moses were central to their defense. Pastor's defense is very contingent on a big guy in the middle who at least makes it hard and kind of rim protects. And there is no better defender than Jose Alvarado in the history of the universe, maybe. (laughs) And so that's huge. And losing him is huge. And I think DeVoe had a great year, but DeVoe was never going to be you know, Mr. Lynchpin on defense. No, he never has been. And that's why I think Bubba would have been great. Bubba and Mike on the court together would have been good. Aaron or Sturdivant is, is good. uh, But Kyle Sturdivant is good. And he, he hustles and and it was just there, but it just wasn't all there defensively last year. And Rodney's foot, you know, he had so much fewer blocks than we're used to seeing under Pastner. So, Cyril, the, the one thing they say he does is he he gets in there and he'll get his nose dirty and he'll grind. Yeah. That'd be good to bring him. Um, I'm a I'm a Saba fan. I'm going to miss you, Saba. But dadgummit if Saba just didn't get pushed around by... Saba got bodied by, by, by small the mo- forwards. Yeah, by the... He would get bodied by anybody that came By the contact. guy cleaning the court, you know, yes. by, between free throws would push Saba around. Yeah, so Cyril might be big for that. I don't... I think he has a chance to play, depending on what happens, because obviously... Rodney Howard, I think his spot in the starting lineup is pretty much entrenched. Yep. Uh, Jordan Mecca is going to be interesting because he is a ball of energy. He's a little undersized for the center spot, but so was Moses, and that didn't hold him back. He's very Moses-esque from well, watching him last year. He he doesn't leave anything on the court. He just you've got to teach him the skills. Well, first. and I and I think that because that was going to be my other point as we get closer to basketball season and talk about it more. We've got these two, you know, we've got the two transfers and the two freshmen, but on top of that. There are there are about three or four players that started to see a little more minutes as the season went on and showed you they can play. Absolutely. These kids can play. Tristan Maxwell is scared of no shot. Mm-hmm. It, he could he could shoot twenty percent one night and eighty percent the next night. 
you know, more can jump out of the building. Mecca, like you said, fears no one and can push you around and he'll give you five fouls. And now we're not as reliant on those five fouls, maybe. So there's just, there was, they were starting to click a little better as the season wound down. They just never had the defense. If they can play defense the way Pastner wants them to, this team could be very surprising this year. Absolutely. I'm a lot more interested in the surprise of tech basketball than tech football, but that's my opinion. So you're a basketball coach. You're, you're, you're so yeah, money is made in football, but looking at the basketball team, obviously the defense will be important offense. That's how you score the points. I've all, I've been saying for about a year and a half now, uh, Josh Pastner loves to run the ball through the high post. Can't stand it because we have Rodney Howard at center. It was okay when you had Ben Lammers. It was, it was great when you had Lammers. It was wow. okay. It was great when you had Moses Wright. Rodney Howard has no idea what to do with the basketball in his hands, and he's not going up for a dunk. So doing a bit more of a pick and roll, I think, would help the offense because you'd be able to get Debo in space, Davon in space, Kyle in space, and you'd simplify Rodney's job. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Like you said. This team was built on defense and needs to be built on defense. I think Rodney being healthy, I think being able to, I hate to say it, but not having DeVoe in the lineup I think could help because DeVoe was not much of a stopper. Um, I think you're going to have a lot more guys that are closer to you know team-oriented defense. So Javon Franklin, Miles Kelly, Debo, Davon, Kyle Sturdivant, all those guys, I think they're more oriented to being in the right spot at the right time. It took 20-some minutes, but uh, my son Joshua gave the first hot sports opinion uh, take on uh, on our show by saying Tech may be better without DeVoe. <laughs> Listen, I love Michael DeVoe, but we Michael DeVoe scored a lot of 30-point games against Northern Alabama A&M. Well, and, and the moment he started playing Dukes and the moment he started playing Virginia, he went 2 for 15. Well, I love him, be- but he had a lot too many games. Because like they would double team him and we didn't move the ball around. And I don't think the other players were as developed around him. I mean, there's no question the basketball team lost, what, 40% of their points between Ush and DeVoe. Um, so they're going to have to replace him. But I think they have the potential of being more of a team scoring. Yes, exactly. Where the high score has 17 and there's four or five guys with yes. 10. There's no question it is still a team that needs to hold the other team to 60 or less to have the best chance to win. I, that is clearly what we do best. That's how Passner wins. And he develops every team. And that was the other thing. I, I, I thought the team developed, but we just didn't develop enough or it came too late. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right. So uh, we come to the end of the first pilot episode. Uh, Joshua, I want to thank you for doing this with me. This is something, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about for a little while. We're, we hope that uh, you enjoyed this. We hope you got something out of it, maybe learned a little something. Uh, What we would like to propose is if you are a tech alum or tech fan and you're listening to this, you know at least one other tech alum and tech fan. Bring them along for the journey. We want to bring all the stuff we're seeing uh, on the media sites to you. We maybe want to give a little more. One thing we won't do is waste your time. The other thing we won't do is fill this with all kinds of hot sports take because that's for other people from stupid schools, not not smart people like tech fans and tech alum. Joshua, any parting words? Um, to hell with Georgia. That's the good word. And we'll catch you next time on What's the Good Word.